0: Hello. The Bittersweet Life welcomes you. Thanks for joining us. I'm Katie Sewell, a public radio professional, podcast consultant, writer, living in Seattle. My co-host Tiffany Parks is a writer living in Rome. We're glad you're here. A quick thanks this week to Ginny and Lynn for donating to the show. And thanks to all of you who support us through Patreon. If you love the show, help keep us going during this time, if you can afford it. You'll find a donate button at thebittersweetlife.net, or find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. There are links in the show notes. Now, on with the show! Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Barks. And today we're contemplating the nature of time. Yes. Not just time and coronavirus, but the nature of time in general. How we experience time, how we think about time, and how we are experiencing and thinking about time in this particular moment. Right.
1: Yeah, so I went back and listened to one of our earlier episodes, which is episode 148, Time Flies, with author Alan Burdick. And so I was listening to this episode all about time just to get some thoughts from an expert on time to have a sort of diving board to sounding board what's the expression
0: diving board works i don't know i like it i'll go with it
1: it's not diving board it's something board anyway your launch pad your launch pad for this discussion launch pad there you go there you go and he really makes some really interesting i haven't read the book of course which you have because you were the one who interviewed him for that uh for that episode uh but he does make a lot of interesting points, put some interesting thoughts out there, which I thought would be fun to chat about and talk about and discuss. Well, should we listen to one? Should we, should we start with? Sure. Let's start with uh, this clip about, because I know you've talked about, you know, in fact, one of your New Year's resolutions. It was either a new, no, I don't think it was a New Year's resolution. It's like one of your life goals. It's one of your quests. <laughs> it's to live in the moment. Yes.
0: Living in the moment is a skill I learned Well, I probably already had it to a certain degree, but learned it really, really well in my year in Rome. Oh, that's cool. Just taking the day as it was. That's cool. Well, he talks a little bit about that if you want to play the clip. Yeah, let's listen. So this is Alan Burdick. He's a journalist. He wrote a book called Time Flies, and he'll be our special expert. Let's go.
2: Look, the hard fact about the present is you can really only do one thing in it, right? I mean, that's almost the definition of the present. It's a moment of awareness, it's a moment of consciousness, it's a moment in which you have a discrete perceptual experience. It's a it's a meteorite flashing, you know, across the sky or it's a sparrow and you know, there's a little bit it has some duration, but there's room in there for one perceptual experience. It's often easy to be in that perceptual experience thinking about some other perceptual experience that you should have had or maybe could be having and you know this one that is right in front of you is kind of being wasted
1: so um so my first thought was i could have more than one perceptual experience at the same time i mean i always try to try to be like well that's not true in my case (laughs) you know (laughs) um So if you're living in the moment, you could only experience, from what I, maybe I didn't understand that, but it sounded to me like he was saying, you can really only have one sensory experience at a time if you're living in the moment. So if you're eating a croissant and a bird is singing, you can't appreciate those two things at the same time? I don't know. I
0: wonder if it's that or if, because I think, of course, you can do that. I think living in the moment is living in the full moment. And of course, what you notice in that full moment, as we learned from our memory show, will be tailored to you in particular. However, I think it's more of you're in the moment, you're in that sensory moment versus you're in that sensory moment thinking about something that's not currently
1: happening. Right. Okay. Okay. Maybe that's what he meant.
0: Like I'm sitting in a cafe, I'm eating the croissant and I'm listening to the bird, but I'm not sitting there remembering a conversation that I had earlier that morning or writing in a journal about another time.
1: Or thinking about something stressful that you have to do in an hour.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I don't know, the way that I practice living in the moment sort of in the day to day now is when I'm doing something like riding a bus, I try to actually look out the window and see what's going on in the world around me, even if it's sort of mundane, (laughs) even Mm -hmm. if it's just that guy walking by, this person walking by, Mm -hmm. oh, that tree, that car, (laughs) rather than reading something on my phone or listening to something. That's the small practice of just trying to notice
1: where you actually are. I am so bad at living in the moment, so bad at it. (sighs) I feel like I'm always thinking about what I'm gonna do next planning my day planning okay I'm gonna do this and then even when I'm like doing yoga because I, I feel like I have 300 things I have to do in the day and everyone everyone feels like this I think most people do. You know, and I'm sitting and I'm doing yoga. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do downward dog and then I'm going to do the, the pigeon and then I'm going to do crow and then I'm going to do triangle. And once I've done with that and I've done my relaxation, then I'm going to take a shower. And I'm like, why are you doing this? It's <laughs> defeating the whole purpose. What about right now? What about right now? Are you thinking, okay,
0: well, what do you got to do after this?
1: No, not right now. My mind is fully occupied right now. And I think maybe that's why people are happiest when they're working on their craft. And also, I think they say people are happier when they're doing something a little bit challenging. Mm. And I wonder if that's why, because it's hard to think about other things when you're doing something challenging that requires your attention.
0: I mean, that's an interesting thing. I had a friend who used to lose track of time when he had a particularly demanding job that had something to do with computers. But quite honestly, whenever he talked about it, I just, you know my brain just actually just jumped out of my head and walked down the stairs and left, you know, because I couldn't understand what it was he was talking about. But he used to have that experience where he'd be working on some project and he would look up and realize that it was dark out, you know, that it had been a whole day, that he hadn't eaten lunch, that he hadn't eaten dinner, that he had no idea what time it was. I don't know that I've ever been
1: invested in anything
0: that strongly.
1: Well that's flow. That's flow. Do you remember we talked about this on a previous episode and I think we could do a whole episode on the idea of flow. I would just need to do some research on it. But I mentioned this to you because we were talking about something else, but I did bring it up that if you get into the flow state, yes, which some people call the zone, some people call, you know, there's lots of different expressions for it, but uh, you do lose track of time you you 're so concentrated on what you 're doing, and in that case there 's like literally part of your brain shuts off the part of your brain that tells you you 're hungry, the part of your brain that tells you you have to pee, the part of your brain that tells you your back hurts or you know whatever it is or your eyes are hurting all of that shuts off because you 're so focused on what you 're doing and other things happen as well that 's probably what your friend is experiencing. And it can happen in lots of different types of activities. It doesn't just have to be something creative. A lot of times it happens when people are doing sports, but it doesn't have to be. It could even be something really, really monotonous, as long as you're focused on it in a certain way. But I don't, you you know, you immediately went to the idea of time flying. But is that, and I'm going to get to this because he has another quote a little bit later about time flying, when you're living in the moment, does time therefore naturally fly or does it go slower? I don't know that it's either one. I think it could maybe it could be either.
0: Sometimes it just feels like it's just real time, in real time. But I have a weird perspective because of the radio background. I can physically feel a minute in my body at this point. That's so cool. <laughs> if we're cooking dinner and Derek sets a timer for two minutes and... What feels like two minutes, it doesn't go off. I'll say something to the effect of, Are you sure you got the timer on? <laughs> and then maybe it will go off like that second, you know, or something, <laughs> but, or it just won't be on. But I don't know. So, like in Rome, I felt like it was just very much in whatever was happening at that time. And it just felt like whatever amount of time that was. Uh, that said, I'd be curious, living in the moment during this quarantine, during this pandemic, I've been experiencing it in a totally different way. I don't know if you have, because it's so distressing in so many ways. I mean, I know a lot of people out there are loving it. My family, they're a bunch of introverts are having a a wonderful time (laughs) most days just staying in, not having to do anything. But I think because of the, just the fear of the illness, the fear of loss, dread of the disease, the worry that somebody you might know or maybe do know has it, all of the kind of existential dread around that, not to mention knowing what the future is going to be like and when the heck things are going to change. I think that there's a very dramatic level of patience required right now to live in the moment, at least for me. And of course it depends on the week, it depends on the day, and as Derek always says, don't wish your life away, which, you know, I get, you shouldn't, and I'm trying to make the most of these days as they are and enjoy the moments that I can have but at the same point I also feel like every now and then I have to sit and think okay my patience is obviously running a little thin with this how do I revamp those stores I also think that there's a lot of escapism going on right now too like living in the moment isn't what you want to be doing you want to be reading a book or watching a movie or sleeping whatever you can do to pass the time I think it's just sort of different than when you're trying to live in the moment and you're out with your friends or you're taking a walk in nature (laughs) you know it's a it's two very different things i'm sort of wondering if that feeling of living in the moment is profoundly
1: different now anyway well definitely you have less stimulation something that might cause you to pause and soak up the moment something out of the ordinary you know being in an unusual place and seeing something you don't usually see might cause you to stop and just linger over that moment. And when you're living at home and it's such a familiar place and you everything you're seeing is something you see every day, you don't linger on it, you don't stop to think about it. You're eating the same food, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're eating you're seeing the same person. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing the same things. Maybe you have less cause to at least actively consciously try to soak up a moment like that. I don't know, that's just a guess. Yeah, I
0: don't know. It's just a contemplation. That said, it's not like I'm not noticing little moments uh, as we're speaking right now. The furious work on the nest in the tree behind my house by those two crows that have some sort of pressing deadline that I don't know about. I'm sure somebody's about to have something, and it's probably <laughs> going to be a really loud baby crow that ter- terrorizes us for the next couple of months. Uh, I don't know if you've ever lived next to a baby crow, Tiffany, but it is a uh, intense enterprise. But they have been working really hard for the last few days gathering materials, so I am noticing little moments, but. I'm also speaking from a position where this particular week has been for whatever reason a bit of a struggle for me I think in part it's actually you and your newfound freedom you're roaming around Rome and our governor is saying oh well you know much Washington State's gonna be able to interface too." King County mm, sorry Mm, guys you guys are not
1: doing as well So, um, Ah. what is it that you're really really missing right now that you can't do
0: Ugh. um.
1: I mean, I think it's
0: really just the novelty of other people yeah. being able to get into really engaged conversations in a personal context, you know, uh, and that's not to say that people aren't starting to sit far apart in yards from each other and get together every now and then. We've had one friend come over that hung out for a couple hours sitting across the yard from us but there's sort of a closeness, the intimacy of a up-close conversation that I think is the most missing and uh or even, you know, the ability to interview other people. Uh, you know, me, I love getting in a good conversation, interviewing other people mm-hmm. in person is a totally different thing. And also, I think the possibility of discovering new things, right. discovering new people, new activities, and the idea that it could be a year or more before you get can just throw yourself out there like that is um Again, it requires that infinite level of patience that at times I do not have.
1: Yeah. I really was running low on patience, too. Yes. Keep saying, I want to do this, and I want to do that. And I say, I know, we'll do it soon. When? I want to go on a picnic. He says, I want to go on a picnic. (laughs) I go, we'll go on a picnic. When? I don't know. When we can. Yeah. (laughs) I want to go to America, he keeps telling me. When do we get to go to America? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're like, I have no idea. no nope, <laughs> no
0: clue. <sighs> I mean, yeah. your mother must be feeling a little bit the same way too, because Arizona, another state that's not doing so good, mm-hmm. as far as I understand, their numbers are still in the higher category of one of the states. So of all of the states, not just them, of course, but them being one of them. Yeah. Even my parents, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but when uh, I'm getting down in the dumps about the time, you know, my dad is at least says... Well, you know, it's going you're going to get out faster than I am. Which is true because they're going to say people over 65 should stay shut up mm-hmm. a lot longer than yeah, than they might advise the rest of us. So Right. They have to have even more patience than I do. So yeah, I know I should be looking at the bright side more than I am this particular week.
1: Well, you you know, it's hard. Give yourself a give yourself a break.
0: Yes. At least this week. Well, let's go on to his next clip. That you have. Yes. In talking about living in the present, you brought up a thought, which I really liked, which was that the past, present, and future are not three separate things. They are all present in the mind.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's St. Augustine. And his phrase, what he says is, there are three tenses or times. The present of past things, which we think of as memory. The present of present things, which is attention. And the present of future things, which is our expectation." What he's trying to emphasize is that really all of those experiences take place in the present. You can recall your memories, but that's not in the past. You are presently recalling your memories. You are presently looking forward to something happening. And for Augustine, he's sort of fixated on time and on, on this notion of now, uh, especially because for him, he's having this dialogue with God, and for him, it's now is like the the gateway to understanding the soul and to gaining access to God. And he's got this great phrase where he says, you know, we are the self, the soul is basically stretched out between our sense of our memories and our expectation of what's going to come. And we're sort of stretched out over the present through our attention. And he says that tension, that is time. The time is basically the tension of consciousness.
1: So why did you want to pull that one? I found this just so intriguing for two reasons. Number one, because of what he is actually talking about here, what St. Augustine talked about, which is every everything you're experiencing, all present, past, and future, is happening, at least from our perspective, in this moment, which is just kind of freaky to think about. But I also thought it was interesting because I've... I've been reading some kind of out there articles that are talking about how there's no past and there's no future. Everything is happening now. And while the stuff, some of the stuff that I've been reading is a little bit more new, I wouldn't say new agey, that's probably not the right word, but you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit more modern way of thinking. Whereas, you know, here's St. Augustine. When was he living? In the ninth century? I don't even know. Somewhere around there, you know, a long time ago. And he already had the same sort of concept mm-hmm. that it's all happening now, really.
0: Yeah. Well, and it makes sense, too, because, of course, it, it's only happening now, right? <laughs> I don't know. It kind of gets into our conversation of memory, though, and that notion of the things I've seen are mine now which means along the way you're picking up these rocks and putting them in your pocket, you know, basically like collecting souvenirs. But he's not wrong that even if you can't live in the moment during yoga, all of those things are simultaneously happening. Whatever's firing in your brain and whatever Claudio's doing in the other room and whatever Aurelio's up to, yeah. whatever
1: I'm doing over here at that time, it's all happening now. Yeah, I mean, we know that there is a past in a sense, and we know that there is a future. Okay, here's something really freaky. I read an article, and it's again, this is going to be one of my things where I. I say I read this article, but I can't tell you where I read it. You're just going to have to believe me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, from my experience, uh, a lot of times when people say they read an article, they actually heard it on the radio. Uh, I know this because people said, oh, I read an article. And you're like, really? I produced a show about that just today. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. People like to pretend that they read rather than listen. But I'll go with this being an article. Go for it. No, let me think. Let me think if I read
1: it or if I now that I think about it, I I think I did read it. It doesn't really matter. I think someone told me about it and sent me an article about it. They did a study. They, the uh, mysterious they, they did a study and they had these students take a test. Okay. All the students had the same test. Some of the students were told to study before taking the test. And the other group of students were told to study before and after taking the test. The students who studied before and after did better on the test. Explain that, Katie. Hmm. By the way, I'm going to try to find this study and link it in our show notes. No guarantees at this point, but I'm going to try. Okay. So if you study after taking the test, how can that influence how you did in the past? I have no idea. See, that's where what I mean by like the kind of new agey, kind of freaky, modern thinking that I don't I think that that's what St. Augustine was talking about, but I do think it's connected. I think there's a thread of truth between those two things, or a thread of thought, at least, that I don't think we have yet figured out.
0: I don't know. I do know that being confident in a test is not any measure that you'll do well. (laughs) (laughs) do you know that it isn't I remember taking a test in high school where I walked in I I was ill prepared I will admit that and so was my best friend at the time we were both really ill prepared and we walked in to the test and came out of it and I said how do you think you did and she said oh I totally failed that (laughs) test that was terrible how about you and I said I killed that test I knew every single one of the answers both of us failed.
1: But I wonder I wonder what would have happened if it had been a an oral test. I don't know. If you had had to talk to your teachers, if you'd had so much confidence. You know, I mean, it's one thing to fail a multiple choice test or a math test. But if you're doing an oral test where the confidence that you need, need to have to speak with really does make a difference, I wonder if in that case you would have done better. Yeah, I suppose it's like winning a debate. Yeah, and that's a different topic for a different day. But... My point is this. I don't think we figured out time exactly, and I don't know that it happens in a straight line. Sometimes I feel like our future... I know this is going to sound weird and (laughs) woo-woo, but sometimes I feel like the future has already happened and that we are moving towards the future that has already been. And that would explain synchronicity, and that would explain fate... And so many of those delicious topics.
0: Well, you're getting into a realm that I definitely can't speak to. I almost feel like we need to have (laughs) string theory physicist Brian Green on the show to (laughs) contemplate that. So because I have nothing to add to that, should we listen to your last clip? Yes. One final thing. Another thing that we've talked about a lot on this show is why when you're traveling in a brand new spot for a week, for a month, for a year... This, it seems so much more epic on a time scale. Like the days seem longer, the memories seem brighter, time seems like it took a lot longer than it does in normal life. Mm-hmm. Same thing you write a little bit about happens in traumatic situations when you get in a car accident, you fall off a lo- high ledge or something like that. Why do we have those moments where time seems to spread way out in moments like, you know, an average day where it just seems like that day flew by and that's it?
2: Part of it may be, you know, one theory is it's about how your neurons function. I mean, one one notion of time, which is to say your notion of of how long an event lasted, one notion of, of duration is that duration is basically a measure of how efficiently your neurons are experiencing that event. If I show you a series of pictures and they're all the same, and then I show you a new one. That new one is going to stand out, and it's going to seem like it lasted a little bit longer than the others. It seems because up to that point, your neuron's like, okay, I get it, like a shoe, a shoe, a shoe. You show me like three times, four times. It just doesn't need to do as much work. And in a sense, it, it's doing less work processing that event, which it has experienced before, but it's not really telling you. The truth is it seems to be lasting a little less long than the new thing. It's not so much that the new thing lasts longer. It's that the things that you know and experience a lot of, your neurons know so much about, they can like phone it in. And you experience them as lasting less long. I mean, another way to think about it is, you know, new events you kind of process in what what might be called high def and things you've experienced before you you kind of process in standard depth, except that the truth is the new things are the things that you are processing in standard depth. There is no high depth, and everything else is like a degrading standard depth. It just gets worse and worse, but you you don't notice because you've seen all those things before.
0: So is that why time flies, since that's the title of your book, or do you ever, is that explainable?
2: It is explainable. I mean, it kind of depends on what you mean by time. I mean, usually what we mean by When you say time flies or time really flew by is I lost track of the time. You know, you're in a really good movie or you're at a really fun dinner party and it's two or three hours long and you come out of it and you're like, wow, that was great. I didn't, you know, time just flew by. Three hours went by and I didn't notice. It is literally, it's an expression of how little you were paying attention to the time. Whereas if you're bored and the movie's really dull or the, party's really dull and you're always looking at your watch, your experience and your memories during and and afterward of that time are of you thinking about the time. So your thinking about the time occupies much more of your memory. The unfortunate thing, though, is that what it means is time can fly while you're having fun or engaged in whatever you're doing, but you aren't going to notice it until it's over.
0: that's a bad thing?
2: No, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but you can't really make time fly in that way. Or you you can make time fly, but you're not going to know whether it's working until afterward.
1: So I loved this scientific explanation because we've talked so much on this podcast about why does time sometimes seem to go slower or faster? Why when I'm discovering a new place, does time seem to expand in such a way? Or those two weeks in France, like we talked about in the memory episode, Those two weeks in France that seems so full. It's great to have a scientific explanation for why that is why some things seem to take up more time when we know based on the clock that they didn't.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I love that, too. It's just sort of like, kind of like performing a play where In the first few times you put it on say opening night it feels like this big huge occasion and then by the time you put it on for the 25th time you know it's just more like of a countdown clock of okay we've got three more scenes before we can all go to go get a snack at the jade garden you know it's it's (laughs) that that sort of thing I, i love that idea and i guess that's why um i mean it's an argument for picking up new skills an argument for going to new places certainly
1: Yes, and even driving a different route to get to work. So the last thing he says, you know, talking about time flies, you know, we all say time flies when you're having fun. His translation of that is time flies when you're not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So does that mean you are living in the moment when time is flying? Or does that mean you're not living in the moment? Because you're not paying attention to time, therefore... I I wasn't sure, I, I still don't know what he means by that, if he means that time flies when you are living in the moment or that it doesn't fly when you're living in the moment. Because if you think about driving, let's say you're driving, I'm sure it's happened to you and everyone listening that driving a very well-known route, they get there and they don't remember having done it, mm-hmm. but that time flew too, but they you probably weren't having fun.
0: Yeah, but you might have been in a deep vein of thought true. So maybe it's just not fun. I don't know, because I, I actually think that living in the moment has very little to do with time either. Hmm. I think it's interesting because I was listening to a different interview, and I know it was an interview, not an article, where the person was talking about how in this time of quarantine that people are starting to lose track of the days, you know, maybe not that it feels like it's around dinner time or something, but they're losing track of what day of the week it is, uh, what day of the month it is, maybe even what time of day it is in some cases. And the person was reminding us that all of these constructs of time are pretty new, actually, to the human experience, that in the grand scheme of things, humans were not marking time as specifically and precisely as we have our whole lives. And that kind of Preciseness doesn't even really come about until the railroad system is in place and having to run on a
1: schedule. Wow, fascinating! So
0: it's really not that long that we feel like we're aware of every single moment and are asking these questions of, oh well, it's ten twenty-three. You know, where were that specific about? Yeah. What's happening at any moment of of life? And this person was hypothesizing that it might not be that bad if humans go back to more of you know, just trying to experience life from a natural rhythm. And I don't know what that means for time flying or not. But I would say that both living in the moment and in those moments when you're having a great time, and you just don't ever think to look at a clock until somebody's kicking you out of a bar or something, that both of those circumstances have very little to do with time. Like actual time on a clock, I guess is what I mean. Radio time, you know, that 30 seconds of of stuff you have to fill, or, you know, The time I can look it down and say, oh, we've been recording
1: X amount of minutes or whatever. I do think that being a parent of a young child, I can't get away from the time during the day, at least like I could maybe get away from the days of the week a little bit, being stuck in the house, not having school, not having work. But when you have a kid, I think you are aware of time because you're aware of what you know, what time is it? Is it snack time? Is it lunchtime? Is it is it time for You know, nap time, if you have a littler kid. Is it bedtime? How long have they been watching TV? I gotta just turn off the TV.
0: Do you think that because of that, because you're constantly aware of, okay, he needs to take a nap and then he has to eat dinner so that he can be in bed by this time, do you think that all of that keeps you from living at
1: whatever moment it is? The marching schedule in your head, basically? It keeps me on the marching schedule. It keeps me me from going off into my own... Random schedule and I'm and I appreciate that because I don't do well with that kind of lost in space time ether like just wandering around. I I don't do well. I like to know what time it is. Mm. I like schedules. I like rhythm and Aurelio keeps me really anchored. Yeah. In that way, right? And it gives form and rhythm to my day. I appreciate that. And if and if I didn't have Aurelio, I would probably find some way during this time to do that. I would probably have a, have myself on a schedule. 9 to 11 is writing time, 11 to 12 I do laundry and housework. I would probably have done that.
0: Whereas I for years have tried to do such a thing and I've never particularly as a work-at-home person and I've never been able to do it.
1: Well, maybe you don't need to. You know, maybe you're you do well, you know, in a more spontaneous Some people, a lot of creative people, and I mean, I consider myself a creative person, but it's not a hard and fast rule. A lot of creative people don't do well on schedules and they need to be like, when that inspiration hits, whatever time of day or night it is, they need to just be able to work then. But I'm not like that.
0: I think I have a loose schedule. It's sort of like I know if I'm going to do my best writing, it should be in the morning, at least right now during this quarantine, you know, and then do the business stuff, the work stuff in the afternoon. But it's it's not like I need to be at the desk by 8 a. M. I a.m. I'm not that right. rigid. At 11, I will do push-ups for 15 seconds. It's not a lot of push-ups, Katie. That's not. That's no. It's more like I'm gonna eat breakfast first, and we'll see when I get up there. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of. It's sort of more that way with me. So. Yeah. Well, we should probably leave it there. Uh, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us, feel free to get in touch. We're at Bittersweetlife at mail.com. We're also on the socials Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the Bittersweet Life podcast.
1: You can always contact us via our website as well, thebittersweetlife.net.
0: Yes. We like hearing from you. We do. So and we do. feel free to drop a line.
1: If you have any brilliant thoughts about time, write to us. And if we get any really, really fascinating comments, we will share them. Absolutely. All right.
0: Well, until next time. Oh. Until next time.
1: This... <laughs> Remember time, uh, we didn't include this clip. We didn't include this clip from Alan Burdick's uh, episode, but I will just say it now. He says that time is the most commonly used noun in the English language.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, it's about
0: time. It's about time. It's about time we go. And until next time. <laughs> yeah. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. Thanks to Lori Lee Elliott for her help managing The Bittersweet Life on YouTube, and to Sarah Johnson for her consultation. Our logo is made by Jody Rick at The Lost Laboratory, with painting assistance by our muse, Caravaggio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That way we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or at the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net.